Good morning. If I haven't met you, I give announcements at our church, so I'm used to saying good morning, and if you're on the live stream, hello. So, but if we haven't met, we'd love just to say hello after the service and tell us who you are. And if we have met and you are one of my Facebook friends, then you saw me already post this morning because I wasn't thinking about you being here and being on Facebook. Thank you very much, Leslie. And so I told you I was having a bad hair day. And the real reason I felt bad about that was because I didn't want to reflect badly on Ashley's shop because they make me look gorgeous all the time. So if you don't go to Ashley's shop, this is just my advertisement that you definitely should. We are happy to be here this morning. We have known Glenn and Chelsea for a very long time, and, Wendell, and many of you. And Wendell's going to talk a little more about that. Thank you, Cy. I thought about doing that myself, but appreciate that. Again, just... The young and the old both anticipating the needs of, oh, the seasoned, the seasoned, yeah, young and seasoned. Thank you, sir. I, I believe that. We've known them a while, too. Wendell and I have been married 44 years, I think, yes. And this morning, as we were preparing to come, yeah, oh, I looked at him, just, yeah. Uh, about, I think about 20 years ago, we had a guest speaker at our church when we, it was, at that time it was called Covenant Life Fellowship, and we had a guest speaker coming in that morning named Mike Heron. Mike's a worship leader renowned around the world now, uh, great friends with the Pope. He is doing an international reconciliation ministry of some kind, and I see his pictures on Facebook standing right next to Pope Francis every now and then. But he was a wonderful man of God, a worshiper, has out CDs and books, and Wendell and I knew him from probably the 80s, slightly, but we just knew him slightly. We, wouldn't, we don't know him like we know Glenn and Chelsea. But that morning, when at the end of the service, he said, when I was putting on my shoes this morning, God said, tell Wendell and Kathy not to give up on the dream. Now, it's a big deal when the guest speaker says that I was putting on my shoes and God spoke to me about you by name. <laughs> I was blown away in that moment. It wouldn't have mattered what else he said, because what it said to me was, God knows me by name, and he bothered to talk to Mike Heron about me. And then Mike went, it's very interesting, because he went on and quoted the end of the psalm that uh, Glenn was quoting when he prayed for you, Josiah. He said, um, don't give up on the dream. Those who... Uh, so in tears shall reap in joy. And though it tarries, it shall come. And that portion of scripture is both from Habakkuk, the prophet who was given a vision, and God, after this beautiful vision, then God said, it's going to be a long time before that comes true. But don't give up, because it's coming. And then the Hebrew writer uh, the writer of the book of the Hebrews also quoted that same passage when he talked about Jesus coming again. And he said, uh, time's not like you think it is. He will not tarry. He will come. And so we've held on to those things for over 20 years. And if you're like us, you have lots of dreams in your life. We had dreams for our children, dreams for our grandchildren, Dreams for Wendell's medical practice, that's why I married him in the first place, was because he laid out this whole beautiful picture of being a country doctor, and I was 17 years old, and I said, ooh, I want in on that, so I signed up. We had lots of dreams, and so every now, and believe it or not, 
we've had a few trials along the way in the last 44 years. And sometimes during that 20-year period since Mike read those, prophesied those words over us, we've stopped and looked at each other and said, well, wait, 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 is this the dream? Well, maybe this is it. We, we have a new medical clinic. We've just been in this building about four years, and I stopped and walked through it now and then and said, well, was, is this the dream? I mean, I know we've prayed about this. And, but the truth is, here's what the dream is, that the kingdom of God would come on earth as it is in heaven. That's the dream. And how's that expressed? It's expressed like this, through local churches here in Mexico. It's expressed by a local church in Kirksville, Missouri, stopping to pray for a church in Mexico. It's expressed by a local church in Kirksville reaching out to the neighborhood around them and loving people who may never sit in these chairs, but you love them anyway, because that's what the kingdom's about. And so, is our dream fulfilled yet? Sort of. Is it fully seen yet? No. Will it be fully seen this side of heaven? Probably not. Because the kind of thing we saw at Larry's funeral, where the kingdom was expressed in lives representing so many states, so many cities, so many stages of relationship with Jesus Christ, and so many stages of relationship with one another. That's perfection. That w- that's what heaven on earth will be, is when the kingdom's fully expressed in all of our lives, in honesty and purity and with nothing standing between us. No, we haven't seen that yet. But it is still our dream, and it's what we do everything for, everything. And so Wendell's going to come and finish the rest of the story. I felt like God gave me something for you all. Um, and I felt like you needed some comfort today. Um, maybe it was just for me because um, I've needed some. I'm a bit of a sap, so if I cry a little bit, you'll just have to bear with me. Um, Larry was not the kind of friend that you had long, deep conversations with. Larry was the kind of friend that you sat with, and he would say two sentences with, and you'd spend the rest of the week thinking about those two sentences. Um, Larry was the kind of friend who um, um, would show up when something was needed. And Larry was the kind of friend whose funeral would say something to me that fit in what God was saying to me for the last month. And I feel like it's something that says something to all of us. And uh, it's a voice of comfort and a voice of, of, that goes along with what Kathy was saying about the dream. I mean, we lose people all the time. Death is wrong. Death is something I fight against as a doctor all the time. 
um, he wins. Uh, no matter how hard, how hard I fight, um, I can't beat him. I can just hold him off for a while, and eventually he wins. <clears throat> um, that's the way of things, and um, I'm getting used to that, uh, sort of. Um, that's just the cards we're dealt. But uh, I don't think we should ever um, on this side with our earth suits be satisfied with it because it is wrong. It is, it is part of the fall. It is part of, of the, the, the breakdown of what God intended. And uh, um, sometimes it seems like the, the dream is, is not making it. And um, one of the things I also do is work as a deputy sheriff. And I do that for fun. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's a different kind of fun. Um, and I see a little different side of life in that uh, job, um, but it's 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 something where I see a different side of of people than I see as a physician. Um, but it's easy for us as um, police officers, uh, as well as those of us who watch the news to think the world's really getting bad. Well, I'm going to go through a little bit of my life, not because you're going to be interested in my life, but because my life might have a few things in it that help tie this together. And um, um, one of the things that that I'd like to read to you is, uh, to first, to first uh, read to you is, Isaiah 40, uh, 27 through um, the end of the chapter in relation to the death of Larry and the death of, uh, of uh, Glenn's friend. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. O Israel, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? How can you say God refuses to hear your case? Have you never heard or understood... Don't you know that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth? He never grows faint or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding, and he gives power to those who are tired and worn out. He offers strength to the weak. Even youths become exhausted, and young men will give up. But those who wait on the Lord will find new strength, and they will fly high. On wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary, and they will walk and not faint. Excuse me, let me get rid of the ball and chain here. At our age, Glenn and I are thinking, 
running makes us weary, and uh, walking can even make us faint. Uh, <clears throat> but through Isaiah, he says it's going to be okay. That's something Larry said. Um, in Jeremiah, God exiled the Israelites to Babylon. He sent them away. And you talk about looking bad, things looked awful. They were sent away from their, from their homeland. They were sent away from everything. And, and uh, Jeremiah 29, he said, The Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, sends this messenger to all the captives. He is exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes. Plan to stay. Plant gardens. Eat the food you produce. Marry. Have children. Find, them spouse, find spouses for them. Have many grandchildren. Multiply. Do not dwindle away. And work for the peace and prosperity of Babylon, the place that is abusing you. Pray to the Lord for the city that you are held captive. For if Babylon has peace, so will you. The Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says, Do not let the prophets and mediums who are there in Babylon trick you. Do not listen to their dreams, because they prophesy lies in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. The truth is that you will be in Babylon for 70 years. That's about the time span that most of us spend on this earth. But then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen, and if you look for me in earnest, you will find me when you seek me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I send you and bring you home again to your own land. God's faithful. He always is. Death cannot separate us from his plans. It doesn't matter what goes on. Excuse me. Uh... But that doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. And it's okay to weep. It's okay to mourn. I'd like to go through a little bit of my life because it kind of ties in everything to what has happened recently. And, and there's a few little interjections here through life that are kind of funny. Um, I'm a child of the, of the 50s and 60s. Um, and, you know, those of us who are that old remember a lot of things that were pretty bad. Um, uh, things looked pretty bad back then too, you know. I was raised, uh, I was saved at age eight as I grew up in a Methodist church. Um, you know, in the 60s, um, I vividly remember John Kennedy's death, 
Martin Luther King's death, Bobby Kennedy's death, the riots that went on in the 60s. Um, they were rough. As a policeman, I have watched the um, Democratic Convention riots in 68, and I cringe because I've been trained on how to do riot control, and those guys do things that I would not dream of doing as a policeman. Uh, I cannot fathom how they... That's a different time. It's a completely different time. Um, the pastor who discipled me when I was eight was a pastor who escaped from Cuba, from Castro. He was chased out of Cuba from, from Castro because they chased all the missionaries out of Cuba. Um, I, after I was saved at age eight, I went through a period of rebellion. Um, time was pretty rough. I, uh, you know, teenagehood, you know. We won't go into that. <clears throat> but as I got a little older, God has a way of grabbing a hold of you. And uh, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit at a full gospel businessmen's meeting. And uh, uh, we, uh, this was the Jesus people era. Uh, late 60s. Um, you're... you're uh, Cornerstone out here says 67. I think I was at the altar here in 68, 69. Um, there was a lot of us Jesus people in this building in, in the late 60s. For a while. And then we weren't. We won't go into that. Uh, <clears throat> my grandma was a very prominent part of my life as far as spiritually. She prayed me into the kingdom. I'm satisfied. I went to her because she was a Methodist. I said, what do you think about this baptism in the Holy Ghost thing? She said, well, uh, you know, we used to have a, an amen corner in the, in the Methodist church, and there used to be some life in it. Uh, it's dead as a doornail now. I think it's just fine. I think you'll just be fine, son. First service I went to in the Methodist church, we were singing out of our same old hymnals, and, and I looked at those same verses I'd been singing all my life, and I said, would you people look at this? This is good stuff. <laughs> all of a sudden, those things meant something to me, and the Bible meant something to me. Uh, about that same time, there was a book out called The Late Great Planet Earth by um, Hal Lindsey. Jesus was coming back right away. Well, there wasn't any sense in doing anything other than just getting out there and evangelizing. So this dream of being a doctor, I, I just decided there wasn't any point. So um, <clears throat> why go to school? Well, after a year or so, he didn't come. So, well, I guess I might as well go to school. <laughs> so I did. Um, when I was a kid in my rebellious period, I told my mom I was going to be a bum. And uh, so I still went to school, but there was a little bit of the bum left, and some of the grades weren't all that hot. Um, but I stuck with it anyway, and the 70s came around, and um, um, 
I, but I was getting along pretty good until I met this girl. Yeah. She's a pretty, pretty nice girl. And uh, it certainly wouldn't be the way I would recommend anyone do a courtship or a engagement and marriage. But, you know, God was in it. You know, Joseph told his brothers after they'd sold him into slavery and later on in life after he saved their b buns. <coughs> uh, he said, you guys meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. You know, we screwed up, but God meant it for good. Uh, through the life and loves and details of life, uh, I became a paramedic and worked in the hospital. And I met, I, while I was there at the hospital, I met this lady named Chelsea. Uh, um, we didn't have much to do with each other, but I did meet her. Uh, she was kind of a hippie, too. Uh, won't go into that either. Uh, but all along the way, there are friends and relationships building and developing. That's what, that, what I'm putting that in there for. And during that time in our early marriage, we encountered a longing in our hearts for relationships and encountered a, a longing for the depth of we love Jesus but we knew there had to be something more we knew there had to be something about daily life that was real something that made it purposeful and and so as life went on, I, after being a paramedic for a while, I decided, well, you know what? I might as well apply for medical school. I'll either make it or I won't. My grades are terrible. <clears throat> um, I made a few good grades there later on when I got serious. So I applied to medical school. And miraculously, I got in. And let me tell you, people, it was a miracle. I not only got into medical school, but I got in on an early um, uh, admission without a degree. Uh, they didn't even do that anymore. They weren't doing it back then. But they, let, they, they said, okay, we'll take you. Oh, oh. They just didn't do that anymore. Uh, during one of my admission people that had, uh, was the interview was this Dr. Thompson guy. Uh, Chelsea's dad. Uh, that's just a little aside. Relationships. God keeps knitting. God keeps knitting people over the years. Um, and I only talk about the grades and the miracle part of it because it applies later on. In medical school, we found a church a home church that morphed into another church. And those relationships then, we found that deep relationship, that walk with God. And nothing is perfect, but it, through the years, through the 80s and 90s, it developed into something where we de deepened our relationship with God into something that allowed us to grow in God and raise up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. 
Interestingly enough, in 1988, somebody wrote a book. Or 86, I think the guy wrote a book. 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 88. Funny thing about that, he didn't come. I had a doctor friend at that time uh, who was a, in another church that sets dates all the time, I won't say. Um, and uh, he said, Wendell, I hear about this book, and uh, let me tell you this. He said, uh, my church has a lot of experience setting dates. And our experience is that our attendance swells really big before the date. When the date comes and he doesn't, our attendance goes down quite a bit by about a third. And the one-third says, the third goes away. One-third goes, hmm, I don't know what happened. And the other third goes to set a new date. Uh, <clears throat> I'm not messing with your eschatology or anything, but let, you know, I just want to throw that in for free. Uh, <clears throat> Larry was in that group when we merged. Now, Larry wasn't involved in the theology of that church. He wasn't involved in any of the, the, the deep theo theological stuff, but he was a friend. When there was work going on, Larry was there. When there was something that needed done, Larry was there. Larry was a constant in that church. Um, now, in the midst of all that, we went off for training in Rolla. Went off for, for advanced training in Rolla. And um, that was, I worked 36-hour shifts on uh, every third day. I don't remember much of that year. But I do remember one couple that we met in Rolla, and that was the Elrods. Uh, some of you may know the Elrods. Uh, and uh, she took care of our daughter because she had a bunch of allergy stuff, and she happened to be the nurse at the school where our daughter was at. Just more knitting. More knitting in, in spite of things that we, were, we had done for reasons of of not spiritual, but for job-wise. And God knit things together anyway. We moved back up north, settled back into the same church again, eventually. And uh, again started growing. In the 90s, we, uh, the Bible college was started. Our kids started growing up. We went into leadership. In the leadership development then, we met Glenn. Um, and we moved into the Traveler's Hotel and became dorm parents. We met a lot of kids in that process. Um, those were good years. Not perfect, however. There were problems. Um, and um, <laughs> some of you remember the 2000 millennial madness. Um, with computers and everything, you know, everything was going to go to everything was going to go to pot, and the lights were all going to go off. <laughs> that was man's equivalent of Jesus was coming back. <laughs> Jesus didn't come back then either. Jesus is coming back soon. I'm not making fun of that. 
I'm just saying, like it says in Jeremiah, build houses. Raise your kids. Live for the city you pray for the city you live in. Work hard. Look for Jesus to come back, but continue the work where you're at. Keep your eyes on the sky, but that's fine. Keep working where you're at. More later. 2002, we moved to Heartland for multiple reasons, some of which were conflict. Some, were, some was a call. Kathy saw kids that needed uh, a clinic, so we moved out there. Shortly after we moved out there, somebody decided the Bible college should move out there too. Uh, Larry and Sherry stayed here, and so our friendship became a long-distance one. But it didn't matter. Every time we saw him, it was the same way. Still had depth. Because when you saw Larry, one or two sentences um, still was just as strong as, as anything else. A little hitch in our story comes in 2005. Between 2003 and 2005, a number of things happened in our lives that um, now this is not an excuse, but it is an explanation. Uh, we had a granddaughter die. Um, my father died. And uh, a long-term pastoral relationship broke down and uh, the conflict of that uh, was so strong in me that I had trouble processing all of that. Um, and in the in the in the resultant conflict of all those things happening, I ended up uh, becoming addicted to narcotics. I began taking my own pills. In 2005, on Valentine's Day, uh, we had an intervention, and I ended up in a drug rehab center. Um, that was the grace of God. It was the best thing that ever has happened to me short of my wife and Jesus Christ. I encountered God in that rehab center in a way that I had not encountered God since I had been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I, I met him every day in that rehab center, and I said, God, what, what happened? I thought I was a new creature in you. How could this happen to a new creature? How could, how could, this, how could I be so twisted that this happened to me? Aren't, aren't you mad at me? And he wasn't. He wasn't mad at me. I, I was just, it was just unbelievable to me that he wasn't mad at me. He said, and I, I, I could hear his voice in, in my head. I mean, you know, you don't, I've never actually heard God's voice out loud. But in, his, in, my, in my head, I heard him say, every creature has his growth process. 
And some creatures are just slower than others. Are you ready to get up and go now? Yes, sir. I am. Thank you. Kathy came up frequently during the rehab process. Those times up the rehab uh, visitation are some of the good times in our life. Uh, we would go back up there for fun. Now, isn't that weird? Yeah. Most people do not look at that kind of thing as something fun. But because it was a blessed time in our life. Uh, so most people would say, I, I'm a recovering addict or I'm a recovering alcoholic. God healed me. God brought me through that. Now, what I, if I'm in an AA meeting or an NA meeting, I say, I, I'm, a, I'm an addict or I'm an alcoholic because that's the understanding they have in those meetings. Um, to Christians, I say, my besetting sin is alcoholism or addiction. Uh, I don't drink. I have some Christian friends who do drink. Uh, they're, I call them sipping saints. Uh, that's their problem. Uh, um, that's between them and God. Uh, and I can sit beside them and let, let them drink, and I can live with that. But I'm not drinking. And as far as I'm concerned, a narcotic pill is uh, the equivalent of a rattlesnake sitting right beside me. Uh, so I'm not picking that rattlesnake up. Because uh, you all know the joke about the Indian who picked the rattlesnake up to keep him warm. The rattlesnake promised not to bite him if he'd just put him inside his shirt and warm him up. And when he got warm, the rattlesnake bit him. And the Indian said, why did you bite me? You promised not to. He said, you knew what I was when you picked me up. <clears throat> yeah, I know what they are. I'm not picking them up. This brings to the recent period of time. Uh, as a deputy and as a security person in, at Heartland, uh, we have a security team. I sit in a position overlooking the rest of the church, and um, so Kathy oftentimes is sitting out in the crowd by herself like she is now. And um, I was looking out over the crowd a few months back, and I looked at her. I'm looking from the back, like from the booth, sound booth back there. And I got the distinct impression that she was going to be a widow pretty soon and that I was going home. And there wasn't a sense of dread in it. It was, okay, good for me. Paul said to die is gain. And now I didn't tell Kathy about that. Uh, I've learned on those kind of things to keep my mouth shut until I get a little clearer word on it. But I did mull it over a little bit, and she tells me now she could tell something was going on. Uh, I should have known. Um, because my nephew is going to take over the practice in one month, or excuse me, one year, 11 months, and 20 days. But who's counting? Um, 
so I have do have retirement coming up fairly soon, and uh, if you count one year, eleven months, twenty days, uh, <clears throat> and so I was mulling that over, and we went to visit our kids in Omaha, and in Omaha. Uh, one of our kids goes to a church where they, they watch the preacher preach up there. Uh, it, they have multiple campuses, and, and uh, all, only on this day the campus pastor preached. Got to see a real live person. And uh, we, we kind of tease him a little bit. And uh, what's more is Charity, our youngest daughter, is, is the worship leader at this, at this church. And uh, they don't have a position for, called worship leader. You're either, uh, if you're on staff, you're a pastor. So she's an associate pastor. Uh, if you know my daughter, um, her idea of pastoring someone is get over yourself. We have teased her a lot about that. <clears throat> uh, anyway, uh, the man gave a wonderful sermon on God making a miracle out of your little. It was a wonderful sermon. And I'm sitting there thinking, what? I'm about to go. What is my little that you can make a lot out of? Um, God, What? I don't understand. What? What is my little bit that uh, you can make a miracle out of? And in my head, I heard again, as clear as could be, Look, bud, I made a miracle out of your little. Your grades were terrible. I got you in medical school. And he went through and showed me where the miraculous provision was made to pay off my loans because I had borrowed money to pay for the, my medical school. He showed me, remember this, remember that, remember this, remember that. Now, your miracle is still going on, and it isn't done yet, so get busy and get, keep going. Yes, sir. Now, being taken to the woodshed by God could be taken as something that is bad. But I'm here to tell you, anytime you hear from God, it's a good thing. I love, I love to hear God speak. And I hadn't heard him speak in a long time, and I was glad to. Because that meant that he cared enough to speak. If he cares enough to speak to somebody else... Or if he speaks to you, however it happens, it's wonderful. Okay. So I told Kathy, I said, I just heard from God. I know what we're going to do. And then I made her wait the rest of the day before I told her. Tom Bedford then came out to our church uh, the next Sunday, I think it was. And uh, he was prophesying over people, and we were up front at the altar. And he, he looked at us, and he said, Wendell, Kathy, I've prophesied this over you before, but you guys are still going. You, you guys are going to keep going, and um, there's more kids, more, more people involved in the rest of your life, so uh, keep going. And so God confirmed the word. God's good about that. Well, at Larry's funeral, those of you who weren't there, Jeremy, the pastor, got up. He had been gone, and he didn't know whether he needed to run back uh, the day the day 
uh, on Sunday, the day after the night that Larry died, and he asked God what he needed to do. And he felt like God told him, in Larry's voice, finish the job, son. And I'm sitting there looking, and I'm thinking, man, another confirmation. Finish the job, son. Finish the job, son. Larry was always positive. When things looked bad, when things looked awful, one of the things he, he was really good about was seeing the good side of things. He'd always say, it'll be okay. It'll be all right. Don't worry about it. It'll be okay. And so I want to end with reading you a psalm. Psalms 37. Um, because I call this the Larry psalm. Because this is the kind of thing that Larry would say to you. Don't worry about the wicked. Don't envy those who do wrong. For like grass, they soon fade away. Like springtime flowers, they soon wither. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust in him and he will help you. He will make your innocence as clear as the dawn, and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Stop your anger. Turn from your rage. Do not envy others. It only leads to harm. For the wicked will be destroyed. But those who trust in the Lord will possess the land. In a little while, the wicked will disappear. Though you look for them, they will be gone. Those who are gentle and lowly will possess the land. They will live in prosperous security. The wicked plot against the godly. They snarl at them in defiance. But the Lord just laughs. For he sees their day of judgment coming. The wicked draw their swords and string their bows to kill the poor and the oppressed, to slaughter those who do right. But they will be stabbed through the heart with their own swords. for their bows will be broken. It is better to be godly and have little than to be evil and possess much. For the strength of the wicked will be shattered, but the Lord takes care of the godly. Day to day the Lord takes care of the innocent, and they will receive a reward that lasts forever. They will survive through hard times. Even in famine, there will be more than enough. But the wicked will perish 
the Lord's enemies are like flowers in a field. They will disappear like smoke. The wicked borrow, never repay, but the godly are generous givers. Those blessed by the Lord will inherit the land, but those cursed by him will die. The steps of the godly are directed by the Lord. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will not fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. Once I was young, and now I am old. Yet I have never seen the godly forsaken, nor their children begging for bread. The godly always give generous loans to others, and their children are a blessing. Turn from evil and do good, and you will live in the land forever. For the Lord loves justice, and he will never abandon the godly. He will keep them safe forever, but the children of the wicked will perish. The godly will inherit the land and will live there forever. The godly offer good counsel. They know what is right from wrong. They fill their hearts with God's law, and they will never slip from his path. Those who are evil spy on the godly, waiting for an excuse to kill them. But the Lord will not let the wicked succeed or let the godly be condemned when they are brought before the judge. Don't be impatient for the Lord to act. <clears throat> Travel steadily along his path. He will honor you, giving you the land, and you will see the wicked destroyed. I myself have seen it happen, proud and evil people thriving like mighty trees. But when I looked again, they were gone. Though I searched for them, I could not find them. Look at those who are honest and good, for a wonderful future lies before those who love peace. But the wicked will be destroyed. They have no future. The Lord saves the godly. He is their fortress in times of trouble. The Lord helps them, rescuing them from the wicked. He saves them, and they find shelter in him. <clears throat>